The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight on Veritas, we'll discuss the Bavarian Illuminati and the rise and fall of the famous and infamous order, including its penetration of Bavarian society and its destruction by the Bavarian government. Our guest will explain the Bavarian Illuminati's grades, rituals, ceremonies, and fundamental philosophies. We'll examine the leaders of the order, and we'll discuss the only surviving record of documents that were destroyed during the two world wars. The Bavarian Order of the Illuminati is the most celebrated secret society in the world. Though officially lasting only 11 years, the powerful spell and shadow cast by the Illuminati still looms in the present day, where its influence can be seen in current conspiracy beliefs and actions by powerful individuals working in the shadows. The original Order of the Illuminati was founded by Bavarian professor Adam Weishaupt in 1776. Although the order was banned and brought down by the Bavarian elector in 1787, when he became aware of the extent to which he had infiltrated the courts, schools, and his own administration, its legend and deep influence lives on to this day. The book we'll be discussing tonight is titled The Bavarian Illuminati, The Rise and Fall of the World's Most Secret Society. This book was originally published in French in 1915, and never before available in English, until now. Many of the documents the author consulted for the writing of this book were destroyed during the two world wars, making this book the only surviving record of many of the Order's secrets. If you want to know, stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Obviously, we have to give credit to the author of this book, René Leforestier. He was born in 1868, died in 1951. He was one of the preeminent historians of the occult worlds of the 17th and 18th centuries. His work explored the relations between the many secret societies that existed during this time, with a special emphasis on Freemasonry and Martinism. And the person responsible for bringing this information out to us now, after so many years, is John E. Graham, an award-winning translator, artist, and writer specializing in esoteric topics and surrealism. And directly from Vermont, I'd like to welcome John E. Graham. Hello, John, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Well, John, the title of the book is The Bavarian Illuminati, The Rise and Fall of the World's Most Secret Society. It was originally written in 1915. 
When did you decide to translate it to make it available to the English-speaking community? Well, I uh, was asked by a friend who had some ideas of using it uh, in some, a book he was writing. Uh, his plans never materialized, and I had the rough translation for about 10, 12 years, and then I decided it would be worth uh, finishing it up right and uh, trying to get it published. I actually work for Inner Tradition, so I approached them. I had no luck finding his estate or very much about him whatsoever, but uh, one of the people I was dealing with, a publisher of a cult press in Paris, mentioned that the book was due to go in the uh, public domain last year. So uh, I got busy and finished it up, and now we have it. So for public domain, for those who don't understand, there's a copyright time, and after so many years, just like drugs, it becomes public domain or it could be generic. How many years did it take before it became public domain? Uh, In France, it's 70 years after the death of the author. And this book was always kind of questionable anyway because it was so old and it might not have been – the copyright may not have been renewed or not. I was never able to get a very clear picture of just what the arrangements were. Sure. Now, the word – the word, the word fall in the title, did the order really fall? And this is before – I want to discuss the the origins and and dissect it all, but – Whenever I hear the word fall in the title, did the order really fall or did did it metamorphized into something else? Because it's 2022, I was still discussing it. Yeah, I well, it's not in the book, but my personal theory is that this is an excellent example of an egregore, which is like kind of a, an occult concept of a thought form that's created by a collective activity. That survives the collective activity or expands beyond it, but in any case becomes more than the sum of its parts. And uh, it's fairly clear from this book, the evidence is overwhelming, that the Bavarian Illuminati, who at their height had members throughout what's now Germany, it was still the Holy Roman Empire then, and the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, uh, they had members throughout these regions uh, numbering in several thousand, maybe 3,000 all told. And they had successfully uh, infiltrated many key positions in Bavaria. Uh, their success uh, politically elsewhere in uh, Germany wasn't as pronounced, but they did have several uh, famous members, such as Goethe, uh, the philosopher Herder, uh, the religious writer Nikolai, and other individuals, some of whom are better remembered than others. But uh, you know, they there was a brief moment where they where their fortune seemed to be uh, rising beyond any uh, hopes of being being stopped. But uh, events and what I believe was Weishaupt's and stubbornness and authoritarian tendencies. Uh, acted as a kind of Achilles heel for the order. Let's talk about the founding of the order. And obviously you mentioned the name of the man who founded. I'd like to know more about the origins of this man, his lineage and so on. Well, Adam Weishaupt was uh, 
he was Bavarian, and the thing about Bavaria at this time is that it was the most backwards part of what's now Germany. And in fact, in the uh, uh, 16th century, when the Reformation was in full swing, uh, it was practically uh, turned into the uh, medieval version of North Korea by its elector count who just shut down the borders to keep Protestant ideas out. So the rest of Germany was much more evolved intellectually and uh, they were much more conversant with liberal ideas that we're familiar with that are you know, in, foundational to our own culture and political system. And Adam Weishaupt uh, was a free thinker. He'd gone through the Jesuit system and he, that had created a lifelong hatred for the Jesuits. And even though the Jesuits were at this at the time of the order disbanded by the Pope uh, for uh, political manipulations and things that he didn't believe he could control, uh, they were still they were still going strong, even though they were no longer uh, called Jesuits. And Weishaupt was a professor of law, became a professor of law at the University of Ingolstadt which had been one of the Jesuit colleges. And he was constantly warring with other members of the faculty and some members of the administration because he was introducing books that were not considered appropriate. These books were freely available throughout the rest of Germany, but they were still banned or frowned upon in Bavaria. And his struggles with the Jesuits there, he looked on as a example of their the oppressive the their oppressive presence in the rest of uh, Bavaria, and along with a few like-minded students and uh, friends, he decided he needed to create a secret society that would be able to to. Uh, champion the ideas uh, that didn't require such a clandestine activity in the rest of Germany, but would would not be able to flourish in Bavaria. So on April first, uh, seventeen or May first, seventeen seventy six, uh, the first meeting of the Illuminati occurred. I think there were five of them. And this is an interesting, Ignatius of Loyola, he was the first, you mentioned the Jesuits, he was the first yeah. Jesuit, and the a Pope banned the Jesuits, but is it interesting that a Pope now is the first in place as the first Jesuit Pope? What's your take on this? No, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it before. Uh, the Jesuits had a very strong uh, presence in South America much longer um, it, it lasted far longer after their influence had been reduced considerably in uh, Europe. So it's not surprising that uh, he, a Jesuit would come out of the uh, Latin American Catholic institution. And the Jesuits were also more sympathetic to uh, indigenous societies than, say, the Dominicans or some of the other orders that were more dogmatic. But then, uh, in fact, you know, the uh, Illuminati incorporated many uh, Jesuit 
ideas and systems into their own society. Let's talk about the founding again. Uh, this man, uh, Weishaupt, after him, the recruits, how did he, was he able to recruit for the order? Well, it was basically a, uh, uh, each, each member was then told to go out and recruit more members. The first uh, Illuminati center outside of Ingolstadt was in Munich, and which they called Athens. There was a very uh, pronounced uh, bias for classical Roman and Greek philosophy and traditions among the Illuminati. And one of their main missions they uh, felt was education of the members they brought in and their own continuing education. It was very much a pedagogical type of organization. And the people that he sent to Munich, uh, he was disappointed with, I think it was Massenhausen, who was the first, one of the first members, but he was really not very effective. And this, uh, he was replaced by uh, Xavier von Zwack, who was an aristocrat, and he was actually a member of the Illuminati throughout the entire course of its history. In fact, it was the raid on his house that netted the uh, Bavarian police all the documents that they wanted and needed to uh, effect their prosecution of the Illuminati and their suppression of the group. And he was... I mean, it was always a point of contention with Weishaupt. He felt that the people that he was working with weren't striving as hard as he was to implement the order and, and propagate it throughout. And it wasn't for some years, another four years, that the order finally was able to find somebody that broke through that uh, provincial barrier and made it possible for the order to spread throughout uh the different German principalities and electorates, as well as into the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. In order for an organization, secret or not, to thrive, there should be a recruitment process, as we're saying. Did Weishaupt summon his recruits, and who were they? Well, he basically got his recruits out of the uh, uh, students and sympathetic uh, professors or uh, colleagues that he had at the university. But once uh, they were working in other cities, uh, they were finding many members, mainly through the, you know, the upper, uh, through the uh, uh, merchants and uh, minor aristocracy. And they were looking for people who would have influence whose presence in the order would enable them to attract a larger number of members. So there's a part of the part of the initiation process was to train the the novice members into how to observe human behavior so that the people they chose to initiate into the order would be of the highest quality. Is there a difference between this I don't want to call it a dogma but they even use the term catechism when teach you know when the teachings and they have to learn take notes and then hand in the papers dissertation almost like if it's a university 
Oh yeah, it was very close. I mean, that's what I what I said. It was very ped- pedagogical. The the novice members were given enormous reading lists. Uh, plus, they would have to write a self evaluation, uh, complete with all their flaws, and then to observe their fellow novice members and write their impressions of them, which would then be handed up to the uh, their immediate superiors, who would then study these and make their decisions accordingly as to who would move on and who would probably not amount to much. But it was also, you know, while on the one hand, this talent for self-observation is very helpful for self-growth, uh, it also has a kind of uh, police-like surveillance aspect within the confines of the secret society where you could where you knew that your fellow members were uh, keeping tabs on everything you did and reporting it. Let's talk about the organization and the grades. Are grades the same as levels for say Freemasonry? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very similar to uh, Freemasonry. Uh, in fact Later, once uh, the Illuminati made the decision to start uh, joining Freemason lodges in order to broaden their membership uh, selection and to, uh, you know, widen their influence, uh, there was a lot more work done on the grades that was, in fact, the second, the entire second level of the Illuminati grade system were basically the Freemason grades. And uh, when Lafore SDA was uh, going through the archives, getting access to all these different archives for this book, one of the places he went was a uh, you know, centuries-old Masonic lodge that had all these records, and they gave him a lot pertaining to the Illuminati, but nothing. They refused to give him anything pertaining to the uh, Masonic levels or grades in the, in the Illuminati. But, you know, the grade system was, was inspired. It's not just the, the uh, apprentice journeyman master of, uh, of regular Freemasonry, but a lot of the Scottish grades and there's their grades uh, started as a novice, uh, Minerval, Minerval, Illuminatus, and they would go into the, Freemason grades, and then it would become uh, different levels, similar to what you find in Scottish uh, right Freemasonry, like the Scottish knight, the regent, the priest grade, things like that. Is there a connection between the Bavarian Illuminati and other organizations like the Freemasons? Uh, there definitely was. I mean, the Illuminati success was due in a large part to their ability to infiltrate uh, the free mas- the uh, Masonic structure of Germany and absorb much of it, including its members, into their own order, where they sort of they it was kind of like a uh, uh, parasitical uh, embrace of the Freemason Lodge, and they would take what they thought was would most serve its purposes out of the members and you know the connections they had how did they again how did they recruit initiates and what qualifications 
or attributes would they have possessed in order to join the order? Well, they were looking for people uh, who were... Uh... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.